Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of Digital Kill the Radio Star. It's the end of the year, and so like everybody else is doing, we got to be copy the cool kids as well and do our uh, end of the year best of list. Chris, uh, we're a couple of days away from Christmas, and I'm sure everybody out there is wondering, have you been naughty or nice? Are you getting toys or coal in your stocking? Uh, hopefully toys. I don't think I've been too bad. Yeah, I'll, I'll, vouch, I'll, I'll, I'll vouch for you. You've been you, you you've been slightly above above good. So uh, I'll tell uh, I'll tell Santa to be good to you. Uh, before I appreciate we, that. hey, that's what friends are for. Before we get started, as usual, everyone follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed. Subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and on Instagram at Digital Killed the Radio Star Podcast. Well, Chris, it was a uh, it was a good year for music, I think, don't you? I do. Yeah, I, I have. Um, you know, as I thought about this, I know through the list of the the people, the the bands, singers, artists, whatever that I that I scratched out. It's like, wow, man, this is this has been a better year, honestly. And, and I've I've heard actually a few people say that. You know, our uh, you know, our mutual friend Clark, he. Um, you know, the music that he listens to kind of cross our, crosses our paths sometimes, but it's a, it's, a, it's a little bit different. You know, he's more kind of in line with Jason Isbell and stuff of that nature, and he's uh, he feels the same way, you know, with the type of stuff. And, I, and I'm a big fan of some of the albums that he loves of the year, but he, he's we talked about it. He's the same way. He's like, yeah, there's man, this is a good year for music. Um, there's been a lot of albums that I've really, really liked. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. Um, I I have you know a top ten, and then I have a couple of honorable mentions, but there were definitely uh, some more that I could put on there. I put out a tweet today. I don't know if you saw it that uh, we were going to record this tonight, and that uh, I was pretty sure that our lists were going to be very very diverse. So uh, we don't know what the other one has picked. Um, so this one should be interesting, Chris. And you'll have to excuse me. We just talked about this off air. Uh, how did we say we were going to do this? Were we going to trade back and forth or just go 10 through 1, each person? Why don't we just go um, one at a, you know, like I'll do all, all of mine, you do all of yours, and we just, okay. just go 10 to 1. All right. Well, why don't you go first then? All right. Um, I'm going to go with my, you know, uh, you know, let's do it this way too. Let's go with our, our 10 down to 1. You go with your 10 down to 1. Then we'll both at the end if we talk about it, just kind of, just kind of knock out some, um, just some things we think were worthy of honorable honorable mention. Okay, you know, we may have we may have some some agreement on on those. Um, so my first one, number ten, that is, I went with Greg Graffin, who is the lead vocalist of Bad Religion, and this was an album called Millport. This is, um, you know, if you've been listening to us all along, you we've talked about I know we've talked about every album that's on my list and you know we've probably talked about every one that's on yours so I'm not going to just kind of be a broken record and repeat everything but I'll just say Greg Graffin for people that do not know like I said he leads a band called Bad Religion and they are one of the more famous punk bands of uh, I'd say the modern era and this album is anything but punk he, he, did, he did what a lot of a lot of the punk artists are doing now. The the front men they uh, they unplug, pull out the acoustic, and make a kind of singer songwriter almost folky type album. And that's what he did. And I just I thought it was fantastic. And uh, never been the the biggest Bad Religion fan. I like them, but this for me is I, I enjoyed this album more than I do Bad Religion records, which Bad Religion fans will probably think I'm insane. Though I think Bad Religion fans do like this this album but anyway big big fan if you like the uh if you like the punker turn folky you know which again kind of a trend going check this one out yeah real quick i remember when this came out and i actually saved it on spotify to listen to it um i I listened to the album through a couple through a couple of times and i remember like the first two or three songs i thought were really really good and if you listen to it and you don't know who he is. There's no connection to Bad Religion whatsoever. No, uh-uh. um, I mean, there's not. Some of these artists want to do the, the as I say, punker turn folky. They, they still have elements of the punk. You know, Dave Dave Hawes is a good example. 
You know, it's not it's not straight up punk at all by any means, but it still has traces of the loved ones in it. And Greg Graffin has no traces of bad religion. I mean, it's just a straight up folkish kind of country record. Yeah, and, it's a it's a it's a good album to throw on, sit on the back porch, and drink a beer too. Yeah, absolutely. So number nine, I went with. Um, I even hate. I hate. This and this proves how good the year was because this is one of my favorite bands, and I thought was one of their better albums in in a long time, and that's Hot Water Music. So it shows you that I have some albums that I really like if I'm putting Hot Water Music at number nine, especially when this is like I said one of the better records they've done in a while. But it's uh, the album's called Light It Up, and it was a little bit more of a return to form. I felt like for Hot Water Music, you know it. The the last one just. I don't know. I mean, it just seemed to... The last record they did, the one before this, just... It seemed to lack that... Kind of the... The angst, the ferocity of... Of... Those early Hot Water Music records. And... Not saying that Light It Up goes completely in that direction. But it brings it back a little bit more. Yeah, there's two... There's two singers in the band. You've got uh, Chris Wallard and... Chuck Reagan. And... In their early days... Chuck... Sang more of the songs... And in the later days, as Chuck was doing his solo career, Chris Waller sang more of them, which almost just kind of felt like Chuck wasn't in it as much, like his heart wasn't in it as much. And that's kind of the way those last records felt to me. This one was a return to form. It was more of Chuck on it. Nothing against Chris Waller. Love the guy. But you know, Chuck is one of my all-time favorite artists, and it just felt like he was back in it. And he was devoting his energy to uh, Hot Water Music and making sure he put out a good record and he did he put out they they put out a killer killer record you know uh, think about this list too let's, we're having it at 9 man there's some stuff where I could I could adjust this and I could probably put it as high as you know 5 depending on what, what my mood is so just because it makes number 9 don't think it's not a good Hot Water Music record it's it's a it's a very good one I remember one one day before we I guess we were getting ready for Todd Poole to come over and um, we were listening to it at your house and you were commenting on I'm, I'm pretty sure this is the album you were commenting on how well the bass playing and the drumming was on it well they're one of the best rhythm sections and it's they're you know I think that they're a little bit more um, I mean they're just more technical players than what you get out of punk they're these guys, if I'm not mistaken, they're both, this rhythm section, they're both jazz-trained musicians. And so, I mean, they're, they're the real deal. And it was, I mean, that's always prominent on their records. This one's no different. This one, I think, was, was a little bit different. Is I felt like there was there was more background vocals, more harmonies than, than I've heard in the past in their music, which was a really cool thing. So, number eight. This is a band I've been into since I first saw their video on, I believe, I believe it was Headbangers Ball. Must have been around 93 in high school. And uh, Life of Agony. You know, they, um, 93 was the first, I believe that was the first record. And they don't have a real extensive catalog. They've got five studio albums in that time frame. You know, they were, they were broken up for a long time and then, when they put one out, I think it was 2000, it's either three or five, that they put you know a reunion record out, and then it took all the way to 17 to put out another one. And this album, you know, sometimes you you sometimes you state your opinion a little bit too soon. You haven't lived with the record long enough, and so you, you first hear it and you think, wow, this is one of the be- their best albums. Well, I've now had it for it was an early release of the year, so I've had it for almost a full year and I will still say it is one of their best albums I, I would I would probably put it as my second favorite album they put out besides, right behind their first one it got a lot it got a lot of good reviews when it came out it's great man it went it went a little bit it, it they returned to a heavier sound you not not quite like that first one River Runs Red is more of a hardcore record and this record isn't hardcore but you know, the, the way Life of Agony went is they put out River Runs Red, hardcore record. They came out with Ugly, where they just kind of made it a little bit more of just a metal record. And then Soul Searching Sun, though it didn't really become a have hits on it, it had kind of a mainstream hard rock feel to it, which is still a good album. 
And then when they came back after the you know the years off, I I wasn't real impressed with that album. I I, I never really got into it. And this one just came in, and I would say it's somewhere along the lines of ugly as far as the the heaviness of it. And like every other Life of Agony album, it is there's a lot of passion in it, intense lyrics painful lyrics i mean the, the name of the album is called a place where there's no more pain and uh sorry there's pain on this album <laughs> just like there always is with life of agony records and um well when you're when you're when your name is life of agony there's always going to be pain yeah i mean i guess if you kinda have a name like that you kind of kind of have to do that right? yeah it I mean, can't, can't it can't be beach boys pop music no you can't <laughs> but uh it, it was a very very welcome return from these guys um Number seven, I went with, you know, uh, another band that I'm a a huge fan of, have been for a long time, fan of his work before this band, and that's uh, that's Sunvolt, Notes of Blue. This was, um, you know, I would say, again, kind of like a couple of records I've said before, it, it, uh, you know, cause just, the, the record before this one, before Notes of Blue, was it was good. It was different. It was more of a it was, it was just a straight up country record, really. And Notes of Blue was was um, the traditional kind of singer songwriter Americana, but a lot of blues in it, a lot of rock and blues songs in it. And this was um, this was a, a really a, a top performance for these guys. I mean, I think it's I think it holds up very well in, the, in their albums. Uh, I know we did our top, really our top, um, well, we did our top, uh, how did we do this? I'm forgetting. Our top Jay Farrar, I think we rated all of his right. albums we liked the best between our, we at least did our top five. Yeah, this one's not going to, probably not going to go in the top five, but it's, um, it's good. It's a really good record, and Sunvolt just continues to, they, they don't put out bad records. That's what I love about those guys. They, uh, I say those guys, it's really at this point kind of just Jay Farrar, but he doesn't put out bad records, and uh, I know when he puts out a new one, I know I'm going to like it. You know, it's never a question of, oh, I hope it's good, or, you know, I hope he hasn't changed too much. Or, I mean, Jay Farrar, with with minor deviations, it's like Slayer. He doesn't, they don't really change much. They know what they do well, and they continue to do it. Unlike, you know, his former bandmate, oh, here comes the part where we crap on Jeff Tweedy again. But um, Jeff Tweedy gets so experimental, and usually not in a very good way, and I just think um, for our nose, he do, he he does what he does, you know. Um, give it all Howard Stern reference of the Beetlejuice song. Um, where, what does he say in that? He know he knows what he is. So um, yeah, man, I, I I like this record. I know this is going to be on your list at some point. Well, it's so. it's it's interesting, Chris. You had it at number seven, right? Yeah, I had it at number seven. Yeah, and I'll just go ahead and and, and give my thoughts on it. Um, I'm I'm like you. I thought it was more of a a return to um, a Sunvolt sound that I liked more than Honky Tonk. Honky Tonk had its moments, but it was just constant. The thing with Honky Tonk was it was just truly constantly Honky Tonk music. And after a while, that that just kind of gets on my nerves. We I saw him saw them twice on this tour. And their set list was was great. It was really heavy on this album, but I, I like you. It's a lot of blues in it, a lot of slide work. And uh, uh, we used a, one of the songs as our opening for this week. But I'm hoping that this is kind of a direction he stays in for a little bit. But as we've noticed, the last three or four albums, really since they came back from that hiatus after, um, oh gosh, what was the third album called? Um, anyway. Um, ever since they've come back from that, every album has been a little bit different. You had the uh, Highway 61 album, and then you had the uh, uh, what was the album after that? It was really long. If you, it was uh, it's like 20 songs long. Had uh, the picture and the search. Uh, the search. Yeah, you know that album was different. And then you had American Central Dust, which was oh, kind of ones. which was kind of going in the direction of honky tonk. And then I think he finally got there with honky tonk, but. Uh, I'm like you. This is one that has held up uh, ever since we got it um, and talked about it. I still listen to several of the songs fairly uh, routinely. 
um, Lost Souls and Back Against the Wall are my, my two favorite songs on the album, but really glad that Jay put out an album like this and toured pretty extensively. Uh, he's actually coming, he's coming here by himself um, in a couple of weeks. I may wind up going to that, but anyways. Yes. Yeah, Sunvolt Notes of Blue. If you uh if you like Sunvolt, go get it. If you have never heard Sunvolt, this actually would be a good one to uh introduce yourself uh to them. But anyway, I think so. I, yeah. And and the, the thing too it's funny how I said that they're you know, they don't really change their sound and all and yet we talk about their changing their sound. I, I, so I guess maybe they do change it a little bit, but I I get it, I guess it's just it always sounds like a Sunvolt record. Right. I mean you know, well, even when they did even when they did, you know, talking about making a honky tonk making a straight up country record it still just sounded like sunvolt because i guess the reason why it feels that way to me is because if you listen to honky tonk it's going to have a song on it that could have been on any of their albums right you know if you listen to an album like notes of blue as on a blues album you're going to hear a song that could have been on really probably just about any of their albums right and so you always get it's a it's a consistent sound and you know Ferrar just continues to make good records well, anyway, uh, I think that's interesting. We both had it at uh, at number seven, so uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. I actually thought you'd have it higher, and, um, <laughs> and I like um, hot water music. I kind of disappointed myself that I had it at seven, but um, <laughs> what you have at six? I went with uh, Michael Graves' Back Roads, and um, yeah, we talked about Graves not not too long ago. This is a guy who he was saying for the Misfits when they got back together in the uh, late nineties. They did a couple of records. Um, American Psycho, Famous Monsters, and kind of brought a little bit more of a heavy, almost metal sound to the Misfits. And, and uh, you know, I, most people I've talked to, uh, I think some, maybe some hardcore Misfits fans, you know, they're never going to accept anybody more than Glenn. But I think most of this Misfits fans really embraced Graves, and most of them love that era, like I do. At least the people I know like it. And, Though I love that music and I love those records that he did, and he made a couple of, uh, as he calls it, monster records after, you know, as far as solo records, he doesn't really do much of that these days. And he's done just kind of more just singer songwriter. You know, like I saw an I saw an interview with him, you know, where he was talking about how it's funny he's known as a punk artist, but but most of his music is far from punk. And this one that he put out this year was called you know again backroads it's it's like i would compare it in a way i mean less traditional country than greg graffin for sure but it's still just uh i don't know it's, it's a it's just a singer songwriter record it's not heavy it's not super rocking um well thought out lyrics uh just i love the guy's voice i love I love his, his lyrics. He's another guy that we talk about. You know, we always talk about Brian Fallon, Gaslight Emoting. I always, I always think that, I've always felt that Gray's really emotes very well. Um, this album is, I think it's up there with, with his solo records. And I, I would say if you're just trying them out, this would probably be a pretty good start. Or maybe you want to go with, um, maybe you want to go with Wander, which may be my favorite record by him. But, but anyway, um, like, most of them I've named so far. This is a guy that, you know, he just about anything he puts out. Well, not just about all these guys. Everything they put out, I like. You know, and so anyway. And hopefully, uh, we can get him on the podcast one day. Yeah, and a lot of these guys, guys, I hope we can get on. And um, you know, we've we've kind of made a connection with him, and yeah, we're gonna try to go down that road again. Because this is a guy that. Again, I talked about it in a prior podcast. It's he fascinates me, and by it's not just his music, which I, I love. You know, he's, he is probably one of my favorite artists, one of the guys I listen to most on a regular basis. But I'm equally fascinated by the other stuff that he's involved in in his life. Um, so I think that's why that's why I think it would be such a great interview. So number five, got a quick mention earlier when I was going through my list, but. Uh, Dave Hawes. This one is called Bury Me in Philly, and um, this guy is kind of in the vein of um, like the Gaslight Anthem, Brian Fallon. And he's uh, he's another one of those guys, kind of comes from that punk world, but it's it's not a punk record. You just hear traces of it. 
This is, um, I think he, you know, the, the last record he made, Devour, is just insane. You know, I, I, I highly recommend if you're just getting in to Dave Hawes, if you're just wanting to check him out, listen to Bearman. I mean, listen to Devour. That's where I would start, just because I think that's his, you know, his, his work with the loved ones, with the band he was in, his solo work. My, just my, that's my personal favorite. Is, um, is that record but Bear Mean Philly I thought was a very very strong follow up and um, this is a guy that that I actually I really prefer his solo work over the loved ones and I like the loved ones I, I thought they made some really they made a couple of really good records but uh, yeah this is this is another one of those those great artists that uh, sadly isn't really known by a whole lot of people which probably a lot of my list is that way that's my number five. I don't know if you have anything more on that one. No, I've listened to the Devour album, and it, it is good. Um, I actually um, like Devour better than the Bury Me in Philly. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Absolutely. I do, too. It's a great, great record. I mean, that is, that's his, that's his best work. But Bury Me, I'm just saying Bury Me in Philly was just a great follow-up, though. Right. So number four is going to be... Not the most recent release of the year, but my most recent one that I got into. And this one I certainly don't need to elaborate on too much because we talked about it in the last podcast. And that's uh, the, the Biters with the Future Ain't What It Used To Be. This is just a uh, straight-up rock and roll record, like we mentioned in our previous podcast. You know, you hear a lot of a lot of T-Rex in it. And um, that's not a bad thing. It doesn't sound like, it doesn't sound like a rip-off either. It's, but it's... Uh, it's a really, really good rock record. I think bands, you know, again, something we talked about last time, but it's, it's bands like, like, like the Biters that, um, you know, kind of, the Biters, the Struts, they, they kind of give you hope that, you know, maybe rock can come back. You know, uh, never died, but it's just nobody ever really hears it anymore. And I, um, so those, those are those are two of the bands that I've, you know, I don't, not a lot of straight up rock bands really kind of excite me these days, and these bands do. And uh, probably a good chance we'll have a stretch record on on my list of 2018 whenever that one comes out. But uh, yeah, if you want some just straight ahead rock and roll, check out the. Well, Biters. I I got great band. since we did the last podcast, I've been able to listen to that album, the Biters album, more, mm-hmm. and it, it gets better every time I listen to it. And right now, my favorite song is song number two, Stone Cold Love. Um, yeah. Love that song. Now, now that is, it sounds like 1975 when you put when you put it on. But like you said, it's not like a ripoff. It's just you can tell they listen to those people, you know. Yeah, and and some of, I think some of the the kind of the more ballad type songs have almost that 80s feel to them. I would agree with that. You know, they all, almost. You know, I mean, almost kind of a, and I don't. I'm not saying this just because the next connection because they also had. A song called Hollywood, but almost kind of like a junkyard. Yeah, I could see that. You know, um, but anyway, good band. Number three, one of my favorite bands, the Afghan Wigs in Spades. Um, thank God Greg Dooley's back doing Afghan Wigs, and that's not because I don't like Twilight Singers. I do. It's not because I didn't like his solo record. I loved it. But, man, I just love the Afghan Wigs. And these guys are one of my most listened to bands. I would say they're definitely in the top three of just what I listen to. You know, if I'm just driving around and I'm going to listen to something on the iPod, it's a very strong chance it's going to be Afghan Wigs. And it could be any number of their records because I truly love them all. And In Spades was just excellent. Um, I love, love, love this record. It it actually could, depending on my mood, it could probably make work its way to number one. That's how much I like it. I mean, these top three, I think, are all pretty close. But great record. You know, I, I was lucky enough to, to get to see them on this tour. Saw them in Birmingham. The only other time I'd seen the Afghan Wigs was at Riot Fest, big you know festival in Chicago. And, uh, you know, they were probably late afternoon time slot and you know that's no way to see a band that you love mm-hmm. and so i got to see them in a small small little club in birmingham alabama and 
man, they just smoked that place. Um, killer, killer, killer band. Can't say enough good things about them. Greg Dooley, I just think, is a genius. And is, uh, I love his lyrics. I, I love everything about the music. The music can be haunting at times. It's dark. It's just, he's, he's a gem of music. Chris, if Greg Dooley, Brian Fallon, and uh, Butch Walker formed a super group, would you be able to handle it? And I don't, yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love to try to. <laughs> you know, I'd love to try to. I, I, you know, funny thing is, I'd really love to see um, maybe uh, Dooley and Fallon work on something. As much as I love Butch, because he's one of my favorites, maybe throw Butch behind the table, you know, have him actually produce it, let them do something together, because... Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, Fallon always fanboy, seems to fanboy out towards uh, Greg Dooley. Right. That's why I was saying that if you could get Butch <laughs> Walker to produce it, I, you know, uh, that, that'd be your greatest album of all time. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, check out the Afghan Wigs. I mean, they're, they're, they've been around for a while. You know, they were had a little bit of success in the 90s, um, went away for about 16 years, and they're back, and they seem to show no signs of going away, which, um, so happy about number two uh, never would have thought this would have made my number two when it came out I liked it when it came out I adore it now and that's Ryan Adams Prisoner um, you know as time has passed it's definitely one of my very favorite solo records that he's put out I mean without question and um, I don't know now how I, I know we did we kind of ranked off the Podcast, one of our failure ones, one same one we did with the Jay Ferrari. We ranked our favorite Ron Adams, and you know, I'd, I'd be curious to see where this ends up on that list. Now, I would, I, I know it'd be in the top five. Uh, I, I just, I love this one. Painful record at times. At times, it's um, but super heartfelt, super emotional. You know, I, I got to see. I was fortunate enough to see Ron Adams touring this album, play the Beacon Theater in Manhattan and uh, it was the best show I've seen him I've seen him several times and this was the best one show that I've seen him you know, a lot of it was just kind of his second being please playing kind of his second home and I just think he was <coughs> touring a record that I love that much you know I haven't gone to see him support a record that I love that much you know because I, I, I love those early records and I, and I never got to see him tour those but this is the first time I saw him, one that meant so much to me, be able to tour it. And I just, it's a great one. I mean, most of you listen to this, he's oddly, you know, it, he's probably, even though he was so many years of obscurity, he's probably one of, on my list, one of the more well-known names on my list. It's crazy. But um, if you haven't listened to him, this would be an, a really good starting point for him. Yeah, just don't listen to it if you're suicidal. Um. <laughs> yeah. I have it. I have it as number five on my list, and I don't know if I've ever heard a, an album that is as emotionally real and raw as this one is. I mean, yeah. he he's he's Mandy Moore has divorced him, and he's not happy about it. And I saw the other day. I think we had E News on, and um, Mandy Moore has gotten engaged. And I immediately looked at my wife, and I go, "Oh boy, I hope." Um, and she basically finished the sentence. I hope Ryan Adams didn't see in that. And I'm like, well, we may get another good record out of it. I was just about to say that. That that, that may be a really good record. Although it might this time it might be a little bit more anger in it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I, I, the highlights to me are, are Breakdown and Do You Still Love Me and Shiver and Shake. Shiver and Shake. Listen to the words of that. I mean, that is, I think we ha- I talked about it maybe on our Sad Songs episode, but that's one of the saddest songs I've ever heard. But, it's the album. It's got some of the singer-songwriter stuff that he's famous for, and then it's got some elements of when he was with um, the Cardinals. Uh, more of a full band sound, um, if if you ask me. But I love the album. I still listen to it a lot. I listen to it uh, almost front to back this afternoon. As a matter of fact. Yeah, I love those songs. Did you did you, you name too? And to be without you is um, another good one. Yeah, a really great one. So. Uh, my number one, Dream Car. You know, um, probably doesn't surprise you as much as I've raved on this album. And if you're listening to us for the first time or making this the, the podcast where we talked about this album, this is a uh, 
this is a super group, really just comprised of two different bands. It's uh, it's all of no doubt, minus Gwen Stefani, and um, Davey can't think of his last name right now, but the AFI vocalist. And so you're thinking, okay, you got a ska band and a punk band, so it's probably going to sound kind of punk. Wrong. It is a total throwback to 80s new wave. And it is, it, it, they don't hide that's what they're trying to do. The artwork looks that way. Everything about it looks that way. The, the, the songs, it's just, it's just such a perfect new wave record. And it's, um, it just doesn't feel contrived. It feels, you know, it, it feels like something that could have been released back then, you know, that could have been out around the time of, you know, your Depeche Modes, your Joy Divisions. Um, great, great, great album. If you like that new wave sound, you know, and you, this one passed you by, you, did, you missed it, go check it out. I think you'll dig it. Do you keep up with them on social media by chance? I have them on Twitter, but they don't ever really post it. That's why I was going to ask. Like, are they are they active, or is this just kind of a passion project, and they're not going to tour behind it? I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah, it's a really good question because I don't know what. I mean, we know no doubt it's not doing anything with Glenn, and I haven't heard of you know, of Davey doing anything in in a long time. Uh, so I don't know, and I, I I I'm sure I think they played some shows. I just don't think they did a big tour, and. I don't know if they'll put out another record. I hope they do, because this is this is one that, and this is one that even it kind of surprises me that some of these guys that I that I love so much. It seems like whether it is somebody like Ryan Adams or or Greg Dooley or or Brian Fallon, it, it seems like all these guys that I really love their music. I find that I I share musical taste with them. I mean, almost a T. I'm kind of surprised I haven't really heard any of them or anybody else I admire really talking about this band. It's almost like it just kind of people yeah. just kind of missed it. Yeah, it's like it was released and there's there's no follow up. Yeah, but it is it is again. If you like New Wave, you will like this record. Not maybe, you will definitely. <laughs> and every single person I've referred it to, I mean every single person I've referred it to has loved it. Well, Chris, that was a that was a pretty diverse list you had. Uh, which I, I I don't think anybody that listens to the show was going to expect anything any different. No, we got singer songwriter, we got punk, we got metal, um, new wave, and whatever the Afghan wigs are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> got rock. Uh, so yeah, pretty diverse. Very cool. Well, let's see. We'll go through mine pretty quick. Uh, number ten, I have Mastodon, Emperor of Sand. As we talked about on this show. A couple of times, you and I both have kind of always been intrigued uh, by them to some extent just because of how diverse their fan base is and people that do not like metal uh, rave about them. Now, uh, this is a concept album. It has to do, it, I think, mainly dealing with cancer. Um, as three or four of the members of the band's family members that had cancer during the recording of this, uh, the songs that stick out for me are Show Yourself and Steam Breather. Now, I'm going to say I've tried to get into Mastodon beyond this album and I've been unable I've been unable to do that but I listened to this album a lot this year and I really do like it. I've gone back and tried to listen to some of their other stuff and it just has not uh it has not hooked me but this album um this album did and it's a pretty heavy album but uh it's it's good nonetheless. Chris uh you, I think you're kind of in the same boat with me as as far as our thoughts on Mastodon, right? Well, I mean, I, I like them more than you do, you know, because I, I do like, you know, like um, Crack the Sky is a really cool record. Um, I want to say Blood Mountain, the one that, you know, there's that concept record basically about Moby Dick. So, but they're, but but they're not one of my favorites. Don't get me wrong, they're not one of my favorites, but I do like them, and I I, I can listen to the the. The, the other stuff that, which I imagine you probably don't get into it too much because it is super heavy, which is, again, what just blows my mind. It's like, it's cool that people that are not in metal love them, but I don't understand. It. Yeah, like Jason Isbell's a big, a big, a big proponent for them. It's just, I, I don't, I, I've never understood that because how if you don't really listen to metal, how do you love Mastodon? But then all these other metal bands just never even. Never even grab your, your 
attention. I, that's what uh, there's something about them that I'm that I don't know what it is, but people don't really listen to metal. There's something about them that clicks in people that are not metal fans. Which again, that's that's a cool thing. Yeah, that's for sure. Not many not many bands can do that. But they I, are they they might be and they may not like to be. I know that that these things. Brent Hines, I believe, that singer, he, I don't think he likes to really be thought of as a metal band, but you listen to Crack the Sky and some of those, yeah, it's a little bit more prog, but it's still metal. Yeah, I would agree. All right, so number nine, Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown. If you've never heard of them, they're going to fall in a little bit to the category like of Chris, bands Chris was talking about, like uh, Biters and the Struts. They are a uh, a band that uh, is fronted by Tyler Bryant, and then one of the members is Brad Woodford of Aerosmith's Son. And this was their sophomore album, and they actually opened up for Guns N' Roses on a couple of stadium dates uh, on on the reunion tour. And they have a uh, like I said, the sophomore album came out. They they've gotten a lot of good press. I think they've got a lot of momentum behind them. I will actually be seeing them in uh i think it's early march with uh blackberry smoke uh here where i live and i've reached out to them and it looks like a good chance to get to interview one of them for the podcast have a song on there called manipulate me that i absolutely love and another song on there that i would uh, ask you to listen to called uh heartland but it's the second album from tyler bryant the shakedown and you know chris we talk about you know there's not a lot of new new young rock um, coming out, at least that's the you know the prevailing thought. But you know, with bands like Biters and Tyler Bryant, the Shakedown and the Struts, I, I I feel I feel better about it than I would have a couple of years ago. Well, yeah, and that's that's what I that's like what I was saying earlier. You know, I, I think that, and and I also think we're, let's let's when we get to the honorable mentions, we're going to mention a couple of bands too that are kind of yesteryear that I felt have had some pretty good comeback records and you know I, I mentioned that just because if you do have these bands like well, at least three that we're mentioning that are bringing rock back there's obviously somewhat of a market for it anyway right and i feel like some of these bands of yesteryear have put out some of their strongest music in a really long time and there seems to be more of a desire for people to hear that music so you know i mean is it going to get back to what it was and you're from in, let's say, the late 70s and through the you know, early 90s. I don't know, but maybe, you know, because some of these bands, too, that we're talking about, they're, you know, we're not going to return to hearing, you know, Led Zeppelin, you know, Van Halen, and I'm just kind of moving along this chronologically, to Rat, to Skid Row. We're not going to hear that. But as music kind of progressed with what rock was all those times, maybe that's what's maybe it, these guys could be opening the door for a new wave of rock, you know, because they all, like we said, they're they're different, but they all kind of fall into the same boat. They were they were listening to those same albums when they were growing up. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so number eight is the War on Drugs: Deeper Understanding. Uh, in the past, I think this is their fourth album. In the past, with their other three albums, they've had songs that I really liked. But then the, uh, there would be songs that I didn't like. There was n- not a whole lot of middle ground on that. This album got great reviews. Uh, the song Pain and Up All Night, uh, I really love. And this is an, al- an album, unlike the rest of theirs, where I can listen to it from the beginning to end and there aren't any sleepers on it. But it, a little more electronic than some of the other uh, music that you and I are going to talk about. But nonetheless, it's really good. It's Laid back, it's good to have on uh, right before you go to bed. Puts you in a peaceful uh, peaceful state of mind. But War on Drugs, uh, Deeper Understanding, a really good album. Uh, I know our faithful listener, Gage Patterson, will agree with that. So that'll make him happy. Um, well, I do want to check yeah. them out. I'm, I, I know the name, and I've heard them on, uh, on Sirius a song or two. And I know they're, they're, they're a band that seems to get mentioned a decent amount. And so that is somebody I'm, I'm not familiar with, but I want to I want to explore and see if it's something that's for me. I think you would. I mean, I think you would like it if you like stuff like Dream Car and New Wave. It's it's got you know it's got some of that in it. Um, okay. Very you know very electronic. It's I forget the guy that's the lead singer, but he's basically the 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 entire band. 
But okay. uh, but yeah, I, this one is a very good one. Uh, let's see, that was number eight. Number seven, as we talked about before, we had Sunvolt, Notes of Blue. Won't discuss that anymore. Number six, Ryan is, I mean, sorry, Ryan, Jason Isbell, uh, The Nashville Sound. This was a more of a return to a, a full band album than some of his uh, previous works, which were more singer-songwriter. Hope the High Road was the lead single. One of my most played tracks of the year. Uh, had some political overtones to it, but uh, I really liked it. And then a love song that he did, because If We Were Vampires, that his wife, uh, Amanda, uh, plays on as well. Uh, ironic that it's called The Nashville Sound, since it's it's a little more of a rock record than his uh, previous ones, but uh, an album that I listened to a lot. Yeah, you know, I, I never really did give this one a whole a whole lot of time, not because I thought it was bad. I just never really did, I guess, dig into it deep. You know, I, I have the prior two records, and I like them both. And you know what I was just thinking about? This is kind of off the subject, but still talking about him. So we're talking we're talking with our, our mutual friend Clark, and and um, I was I was, I was telling him I was like, yeah, you know, he played because some he was had a show coming up in Memphis. And I was like, you know, he plays here a lot. Yeah, he must have a really good support, you know, really good support here. And I said, oddly enough, I've never gone to see him. And then for whatever reason, just something just clicked. And I went, well, wait a minute. And Clark didn't even remember it. And I said, I did see him. So we went together. We saw him at the High Tone. You know, and High Tone, for people who aren't from Memphis, is a tiny little hole in the wall, you know, just mu- you know, music club. Really small place. And this was, I mean, this was early days. I mean, this must have been really soon after he, uh, after he left the truckers and yeah, I thought about it. I was like, wow, I did. That's kind of cool. I saw him, you know, back when he was having tiny crowds and now he's selling out five nights in a row in Nashville at the Ryman. Well, there's another reason I think he plays Memphis a lot. He went to the university of Memphis, if I'm not mistaken. I didn't know he went to university of Memphis. I knew he lived here for a uh-huh. while. So yeah, but he, he plays, he plays the South a lot for sure. Uh, just an amazing songwriter, uh, one of the best of uh, his generation. All right, so my number five was Prisoner by Ryan Adams. We talked about that. Number four, Government Mule, Revolution Come, Revolution Go. Uh, it's been a while since the Mule put out an album, and now that the Almond Brothers are done, uh, Warren Haynes has said that his sole focus is going to be Government Mule, and boy, he did not disappoint with this album. Uh, he's angry about, uh, the state of the world and, and our country and, and he wrote about it, but there's a song on there called dreams and songs. And if you're a music fan and you obviously are, if you're listening to this podcast, just go listen to that and see if it does not give you goosebumps. The, the song basically is him saying, this is how I deal with life is through dreams and songs. Um, I've talked to several people that are big Mule fans, think it may be the best song that he's ever written. Uh, He wrote a country song, more or less, called Traveling Tune that is uh, on that album that's really good. And uh, has I I can't remember if it's on the deluxe version or on the regular version, but I think the song is called Click Track. And uh, I think it's making fun of modern musicians. He's talking about how John Bonham didn't use a click track and... Uh, you know, all these other people didn't. But if you're a fan of, of that style of music, Government Mule uh, doesn't disappoint. And this is easily, in my opinion, the best album they've ever put out, uh, especially top from bottom. And like I said, dreams and songs, go listen to it and uh, just see if it doesn't give you goosebumps because it describes us. And that's people that listen to uh, music very passionately. Uh, I'm going to go on to number three. No surprise here. If you know me, the Magpie Salute. Um, thought that might be your number one. Well, it, it's not my number one for the simple fact that it's, other than one original song, it's, a, it's an album of covers. And I'll explain why uh, that is. Rich Robinson had a solo band, and he'd put out three or four solo albums since the Black Crows broke up that, that are really good. And he was touring with this band and he was offered an opportunity to sing at uh, what's called the Woodstock sessions in uh, Woodstock, New York. And his, he thought to himself, well, why don't, you know, they're going to record two nights of this. Why don't I call Mark Ford up and see if he wants to come play? 
And I call up Sven Pippian, who was a longtime bass player for the Crows, and Eddie Harsh, longtime keyboard player who lives in Toronto, and have them come and just sit in with my solo band, and we'll just record it. And that is what this turned out to be, uh, is the Magpie Salute, which is the name of the of the band. So all the songs are live except for one original song called Omission. Well, the response to it was so great. The people that saw it, Rich said, why don't, let's build this thing. And I think it's either 10 or 11 members of the band. And so they decided we're just going to go out and tour. And we're going to tour all year. We don't care if it's 10 people there or, or 500 people there. We're going to get our chops as a band. Now, like I said, it's their first time all, all of these musicians playing together. They played 202 songs this year in live shows, which is just phenom- a phenomenal feat. Anyway, the debut album, uh, like I said, it's all covers except for an original song called Omission. Uh, they do a great version of Glad and Sorry by The Faces. They do uh, Ain't No More Kane. I think the band may have done that. Anyway, that is vocally, that is top notch. And, and uh, they reworked a Crow song called What Is Home. But I saw them this year. Uh, one of the most amazing live shows I've ever seen. They're going into the studio. They're going to do a double album of all original material. I'm not a big fan of double albums, but I've got my fingers crossed. But. Chris, that's impressive. Two hundred and two songs for a band that had never played together in a year. Well, especially when you consider that they don't, you know, that it's it's the songs whether the covers or not, they're they're new to them to be playing because you take you take some of the more impressive acts like Springsteen, you know, that when they go on tour, guy probably is close to two hundred that they have to know, but you know, right. that's still super super impressive. But they've been playing the songs for years, right? Now, granted, probably 99% of bands couldn't do that. Right. And now when you're doing songs that you're not even that familiar with, that, yeah, that, yeah, it is impressive. So, I was going to ask you if they're going to go into the studio to record. Yeah, early early, material. early February they're going to knock it out and then um, be back out on tour. And They've just started releasing a lot of live shows on Nugs.net, and if uh, you're a fan of the Black Crows or that kind of music, go on there and download them. They're really good. All right, so number two. Uh, we talked about young rock and rollers. These are some of the youngest. Greta Van Fleet, and I'm going to go with their double EP, not technically an album, called From the Fires. Now, I first started hearing about this band on a couple of different podcasts. and Oh, this is a great young band. And so I listened to uh, one of the podcasts, and I'm, well, I'm going to go listen to the music. And I immediately had the same thought that everybody else did. There, this sounds just like Led Zeppelin. It's too much. That's my only problem. Too much. <laughs> well, here, here. Well, here's my argument on that. Led Zeppelin isn't putting out music. I mean, it's you know these guys. Yeah, they sound just like them. But I have, man, I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, the double EP uh, a lot. I, I hope maybe for their sake on the next album, it's not quite as you know quite as much like. Um, uh, Led Zeppelin. Now, we'll tell you this, Chris. You know, they released the EP, and then they released the double EP. And the double EP has four new songs on it um, that are different from the other UP and, uh, EP. And it, uh, it they do not sound as cookie-cutter like Led Zeppelin on oh, that. I have it. I have okay. It. I do have that. And, and let me just say, I'm not saying it's bad music. It's not. I mean, it's it's good. And I really do believe that. I do think it's good music. It's just... I'm going to let me say this. I don't like it when a band is too much like another one where it sounds like they're they're trying to emulate them to, like, to a T. And that's what they are on those first. Yeah. <clears throat> However, they're super, super young. I mean, how old are they? They all just graduated from high school in the past year. Okay. So they haven't been writing songs that long. So here's the thing. They're going to do what most bands do. They're going to evolve a bit. And by evolving, I think they're going to probably start to find their own sound. And that's good, and I think that's when they'll really take off. Again, not saying they're putting out bad music, because that would just be a lie. They're not. They're a very good band. But it's, it's I mean, even, I mean, the guitar playing sounds like Jimmy Page, Chris. The vocals sound like Robert Plant to a T. Um, the styles sound like Zeppelin. But that being said, I do understand your point. Like, well... They're not doing it. Right. You know, and 
And so I was like, okay, sounds like Led Zeppelin. Well, hell, I like Led Zeppelin, so, you know, it's kind of like I, one time I heard, uh, there's this there's this live album of, um, and I know we tried to do this for our podcast with, uh, we tried to put this on one of them, um, uh, Jack Ingram, you could, you could even find it, but there's this acoustic album he did live, and he's talking about one of his earliest reviews. Somebody says, said he was just a Steve Earle ripoff. And he said, I first read that. I was like, hell yeah, I love Steve Earle. <laughs> and he said, and then I got to thinking about it. Wait a minute. <laughs> Not really a compliment. And I think that's kind of the way it is with this. It's like, yeah, it's cool. You said, I mean, they're, they're one of the greatest bands ever. But, but again, I do think they're going to find their own sound. And I think they're going to have some better, some really good days ahead of them. Yeah, I, I do too. And if you follow them on Twitter or whatever, they're selling out everywhere they're playing and they're having to add multiple dates now. So oh, wow. that, that's impressive. That's good. They're they're coming to New Orleans in a couple of months, and I, I may try to uh, get down there real quick to see them. So that leads us to number one, and I th- there's no, it's not even close for me. Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds, Who Built the Moon. Now, as I said last week, this is not a typical Noel Gallagher album. Whether he's with Oasis or the High Flying Birds, who, uh, I mean, really, he's he's the head honcho in that anyway but it's called who built the moon and uh, he he just begged people to have an open mind and listen to it and i could have not be more surprised initially i was i was very hesitant because it is a lot more uh, electronic uh it's there's a lot of good i saw his guitar player said there's a lot of guitars on this album but it's not a guitar album and if you listen to it you'll understand what i mean by that but it's a very happy album. I, I feel like he's just in a really good place. He just finished opening up for U2 all in Europe on the uh, Joshua Tree uh, tour. And he's getting ready to go out. I'm going to see him in New Orleans in March. Very excited about that. I've seen Oasis, but I've never seen him by himself. Anyway, so on to the album. It, it is very electronic. And it has two songs on there that I would ask people to, to listen to first. A song called Who Built the Moon? And then She Taught Me How to Fly. Those uh, those songs are just phenomenal, and then he has a bonus track put on there. It's called "Dead in the Water," and so uh, it's a it's a him on acoustic guitar and somebody on a piano, and they're just in a studio, and you can hear him like, "Do we have enough time to record this?" And they're like, "Yeah," and so he records it. He wrote the song the day before in two hours. It's if it's not his best song that he's ever written, it's in the top two or three. This guy just impresses me. He's a He's just so much fun to listen to him talk. Um, I've been listening to a lot of uh, uh, Noel Gallagher interviews this week, uh, but this album came out on November the twenty fourth, and I've just I've had a hard time getting away from it, which is a good thing. Uh, hope maybe uh, the beginning of the year I can branch out and listen to some more stuff, but I can't recommend this album enough. And just listen to it with an open mind, and it's kind of taught me a lesson, I guess you could say that uh, maybe there's some other things I need to listen to. Uh, with a little bit more of an open mind. For instance, I got into an argument with a guy I work with. He's a big Foo Fighters fan. He was asking me, are you listening to the new album? And I was saying, I mean, I listened to it once. I said, I, I don't like it. It's too, you know, it's too electronic. And, and I don't know, Chris, you tell me if you agree with this or not. Does it bother you if you listen to an album and it has so many bells and whistles on it that you know they're not going to be able to pull that off live? Honestly, not really. Okay. Not really. Um, I, I understand. I understand your your problem with that. I do. But, you know, ultimately I want the record to sound great because most bands, unfortunately, that records we buy, but probably at least half of them, or if not more, we're not going to see live anyway. Right. Well, that, that concerned me with that Foo Fighters album, and, it, and if it concerned me with the Foo Fighters album, then it has to concern me with this album uh, he has played a few shows, and they do. They have added some extra members to the band to help cover some of this. But uh, from what I can tell, he's pulling it off. Um, he's pulling it off great. And like I said, I'm going to see him in a couple of weeks, a couple of months uh, in New Orleans, and uh, really looking forward to that. But who built the moon? I cannot recommend it enough. If you get a chance, go out and listen to it. And uh, Holy Mountain, another good song on there uh, to listen to. But Chris, that that's our first like definitive top ten albums of the year, and uh, we only had two 
repeats, which is uh, which is doesn't surprise me. I didn't. Well, you know, when I look at my list, I I, I honestly don't see any. The only one that I would say that Mike could have slipped into yours, but I think it's too new for you, would be the Biters. Yeah, that's it. I wouldn't expect to see any of the other ones. And and honestly, with your list, you know, I, I though the album never really caught on like it did. The only one that I'd say could possibly go into mine would be maybe like Mastodon. Right. Um. So I mean, that's I guess that's what keeps it interesting. Maybe it'd be boring if we all, you know, if we had a top ten list and we only talked about thirteen records. Well, I have a few honorable mentions I'll mention here, and then we'll um, we'll hear yours. Black Star Riders, Heavy Fire. I didn't think it was as good as the second album, but nonetheless, I thought it was a uh, a pretty good album uh, that just straight up classic rock. And yeah, I, I I didn't I listened to that one. I, I didn't really like that one that much. I thought the second one was definitely their best of the three that they put out. The second one was great. My second honorable mention is a album called New World Rising by Big Head Todd and the Monsters. It's more of a return to their classic sound from the mid-90s. Uh, I've listened to it a lot. I could have possibly bumped Mastodon uh, for it, but I was trying to be a, a little div- as diverse as possible, so I figured I would. this would be a uh, honorable mention. And my last honorable mention is Alice Cooper Paranormal. Uh, Alice is not getting any younger, but... Uh, it is, a, it is an album with five or six really good songs on it. The rest, uh, maybe not so much, but it was an album that I listened to a lot this year. So those are my honorable mentions. Chris, Who? what do you have? I went with Ice-T's metal band, Body Count, Bloodlust. Um, I mean, Life of Agony, yeah, that's a metal record too, but this is, I mean, this is really a metal record, and it's definitely the heaviest on the list. It easily, as a matter of fact, it did make my initial top ten. You know, but then I got to thinking about it, and Greg Graffin ended, ended up beating it out because, like, you know what? I don't just drive down the road every day. You know, beautiful day. Let me roll down the windows and just wear, you know, body count. <laughs> um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's a really good record, really, really good metal record. You know, and we talked about this when we first, you know, talked about the band body count. So don't, don't just be fooled and say, oh, this is a rap guy trying to do metal. Man, I think he's better at metal. You know, he just—I think that's what he does well. Uh, just a, and I know he gets a lot of respect from metalheads. You know, it's—it's it's legit. It's not a goof. He's and he is a metal. He is a metal fan. Um, then I went with Matthew Ryan, not that Atlanta quarterback that, that you know mm-hmm. craps his pants. Um, yeah, that's true. Google Matthew Ryan, Atlanta, and hit, hit images. You'll see it. Um, the Matthew Ryan Hustle Up the Star Starlings. Um, great, great album. This is just a really good singer songwriter. And then I picked Jay Jackson, uh, Gilded. She is kind of country. You know, she's the one we talked about that Mike Ness discovered her, um, produced her record, had him had her opening on their la- on the last Social Distortion tour. And then finally, I'm going to go with um, what we're talking about. There's some new bands just kind of come out with Rocket, but there's one of the ones from yesteryear that put out one of their, I would say their best record since their prime, and that's uh, L.A. Guns, The Missing Piece. I thought that was just a great, great rock record, and um, this is the part where as we wrap up, I just kind of wanted to spend a couple of minutes on this, get your thoughts on it too, whereas I said some of these bands are coming back with good releases. I mean, you got... Now, I know Sweet Lynch put out, you know, put out something, and that's not Striper, but Stripers continue to be active. L.A. Guns put out one of the, their best of their career. Um, I recently found out, I think it was released earlier this month, that you know, a band we've talked about on here with our Glam episode, Pretty Boy Floyd, put out a new record. I and, saw that. Yeah, and I listened to some of it after reading the reviews. The fans were saying, wow, this, this should have been the follow-up to Leather Boys, and it did kind of have that, because I've listened to some of the stuff they've done since, and it's just not that good, but this, it is, I'm going to check out that album some more, you know, but, so they put out, you know, new music, you know, our, our hometown boys, Every Mother's Nightmare, they put out a really good record with Grind, um, not just saying that because, you know, we interviewed Rick, I'm not just saying that because they're from Memphis, I thought it was a good record. I listened to it today. Yeah, it's a good record, you know, um, and I think that's one that deserves an honorable mention, honestly. And then, uh, you know, so we've, we've named all those bands. You got 
Guns N' Roses that came back. You know, there's still going to be those flirtations of, of uh, Sebastian Bach coming into Skid Row. You have um, Tora Tora did officially sign with um, Frontiers Records. Um, you know, we've already said this, this isn't, isn't a spoiler alert, but Todd Poole, I, I, you know, I, I texted him the other day, and it does look like a Roxy record, and the Roxy Blue record will still be coming out. They're just kind of working on some details. So... Yeah, it just seems like so. There's more of a desire for these bands, and it seems like they're putting out better music than they have in a while. So that's that's pretty exciting because you got some of these bands that we grew up loving that are getting active again, putting out good music, not just putting out music. And then you got some of these young bands like Greta Van Fleet, like the Biters, like the Struts. Under the radar. So, so I, yeah, so I have hope, you know. So we'll end our uh, 2017 with a message of hope. 